According to 1 John 1.5, the apostle writes, God is light. Interestingly, when breaking down the physical properties or wavelengths of light, they are displayed with three unique characteristics but need each other to complete the manifestation of light. These three categories are seen, invisible, and unseen, though comes with immense heat. Clearly, one can point to the Holy Trinity as having these three identical distinctions. Join us as we unravel this and much more when investigating the numerous gifts from Holy Spirit given to both the church body and the individual in order to carry the light of Jesus inside of us. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark Russick. You're watching and listening to the Russick Outlook. Thank you very much for joining today's topic, Evidence and Power of Holy Spirit. I wanted to go here because I believe if you look around the state of the church, whether it's globally or domestically here in the United States, as well as, you know, the culture and the things that are going on in society, you know, we're missing it on so many different levels. And, and I think a lot of that has to do specifically if I'm talking about the church, um, our lack of awareness, I think, uh, of the power and the gifts that Holy Spirit has placed inside of us, the abilities, the potential. In other words, I don't even, and, this, and I'm pointing at myself for this one, I don't believe I'm even remotely close to reaching the potential of who I can be as an effective uh, steward or an effective servant of Jesus Christ without really coming to understand and, and having that relationship with Holy Spirit and understand the, the closeness of, uh, of how he wants to be with you, but also the, the, the amount of gifts and talents that, that he's placed inside of you so that you and I can be an effective force for the kingdom of God. We've been instructed to bring the kingdom of heaven here on earth. We're ambassadors for Christ. So I, I wanted to take a look at Holy Spirit. And, you know, some people may say, well, I understand that. I get that all. Trust me, there's, there's going to be some things here that would, it's going to make your eye open a little bit. I want to delve a little bit into some evidences, I believe, uh, pointing to Holy Spirit, pointing to the Trinity, the triune Godhead. If you are not a believer in Jesus, some people have a hard time understanding uh, the, the concept or grasping Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I'll talk a little bit about that on the next slide. Um, two slides from now, I'm sorry. Be, because most people and most religions would um, ascertain or believe it, that that there is one God. So on that note, let me, let me get into this. Before I do, I'm just going to ask you really quick, if you wouldn't mind, please hit the like and the subscribe button, whatever platform you're on. It really helps us as well as if you could join our email list, jump on to russicoutlook.com and sign up for our email. We'll give you notifications. Uh, but let me, let me get right into this. Uh, so let's do this here. Evidence and power of Holy Spirit. I wanted to point out something by the Apostle Paul that he wrote in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. As many of you know, um, Paul wrote uh, the, the, the large portion of the New Testament. But he says here, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So he's Jesus Christ. The love of God, I believe he means the love of Father, because he's separating that, and fellowship of Holy Spirit. So, 
that, that, that's, that's a key word there, that we're to have fellowship because he is so close. He's inside of us. He's, he's been, uh, you know, we, we've received him. If you've received Jesus, you've received Holy Spirit. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's stated right there. So let me just jump right into how the religious views of the world or monotheism and Christianity may differ. Uh, monotheistic religions, by that I mean one God, uh, hold in common belief that there is one God and one divine essence. The, identify, the identity of this God differs from religion to religion. But fundamental agreement exists. There is only one God, no matter who it happens to be. And I would say that, you know, most, part of the, most people in the world, I believe, over 80% of the world believes in God um, in, in one form or another. And even if you are agnostic, you know, you believe in some um, higher power, I'll call it. Uh, Christian monotheism, however, does differ from other faiths in their understanding and, and how this essence is possessed by God, even though Christianity agrees that there is only one God and one divine essence. Other faiths teach that one divine essence belongs to the one divine person. Historical, biblical, uh, orthodox Christian monotheism, however, says that there is one divine essence which belongs equally to three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In other words, Father, Son, and Spirit, or Holy Spirit, are fully divine, possessing identical uh, divine attributes, being fully equal. None is more or less God, none is more or less God than the other. So, you know, there you have what I think it's, it's pretty clear that that is your core of your faith in, in terms of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the God of the triune God, the Trinity. So I wanted to point to the very, very beginning of Genesis, and I think this shows you the, this um, uh, trinity or, uh, you know, of, of the one, the, the three gods in one, three persons in one, I should say. It's, it's one divine God. So going back, going to the very beginning um, in Genesis. In the beginning, Elohim. The plural for Elohim is Hebrew, so it means more than one. It is created, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So, you know, right away you see uh, not only in, in terms of the plurality of God, but also the indication of Holy Spirit. Some theologians would say that just refers to God. But again, as I said, in Hebrew, Elohim is the plural form. So we are looking at plural, the plural, plurality. Next, I wanted to look at Psalm 110, where you make a clear distinction between the Lord, which is Yahweh, um, the, the Father, and the Lord Adonai. So I'm referring here to Psalm 110. And it says this, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord is at your right hand. So, you know, people will get a little confused with that. And Jesus, knowing this, you know, knowing that, uh, and, and this is the, the beauty of Jesus, um, you know, he knew what they were thinking. He knew what the Pharisees were thinking. And, and oftentimes they would try to trap him, but he oftentimes would turn around and, and flip it. And he uses this specific scripture. So he, as I've said many times, when he refers to scriptures, they're always referring to the Old Testament. For, so for those who say the Old Testament is, is, is not 
uh, relevant or uh, not believable or anything. This is who Jesus uh, uh, quoted. These are the scriptures. So Jesus here in Matthew 22, 41, 46, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? And they replied, the son of David. So he said to them, how is it then that David, because David is the one who wrote the book of Psalms here, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord. The Lord said to my Lord, that's what the psalm says, sit at my right hand until I put my enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? See, you really have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because Jesus says he is, he's, uh, uh, um, uh, under the direction or the guidance or the inspiration of, of the Spirit. So we're talking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit here in one, um, you know, which, which I love. It, it, it's just, you know, it's, it, it's, it's the beauty of the Lord. So I wanted to point out something here that I think gives an overwhelming, clear argument that of something that we can observe in nature today. You can see this. This is proven scientifically that points specifically to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So by that, I mean this. Let me cut to it. Um, John, 1 John 1 through 1, 5, I'm sorry. Then this is the message we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So here's the interesting thing of how we can observe light today. And again, these are scientific facts. Light is made up of three part types of particles or wavelengths. Each of them is distinct from one another, no one of which could be light without the other. So they need one another, but there's three parts to light. And again, scripture says God is light. Each has its own separate function. The first originates, the second illuminates, and the third manifests or consummates or completes. So the first is called invisible light. It is neither seen nor felt. I would say that's the Father. The second is both seen and felt. The Word became flesh. That's Jesus. And the third is not seen, but it is felt as heat, Holy Spirit. So, you know, here, here you have some... What I, you know, what I just think is is just the the vast joy and and the and, and the incredible details of the Lord. He's showing you right here in nature um, of of who He is. He's saying, "I am light." And if you closely examine the light from under a microscope or light meters that you would need to to break this down, it's broken down into these three particles. <clears throat> so, excuse me. So, let me give you scripture to back this up. Uh, the first is called invisible light, and the other seen to felt, God the Father. First Timothy 1.7, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. The second uh, illuminates or manifests, it is both seen and felt, this is Jesus or Yeshua. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He's one and the same, and the word became flesh among us. We could see him, we could touch him, we could break bread with him, not we, but, you know, the people of that day. And, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, First uh, John 1, 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our own eyes, 
what we beheld and handled with our hands concerning the word of life, uh, 1 John 1, 1. And again, just a side note, Yeshua means Yahweh is salvation. So this is that part, to me, identifying with that particle of light that can be seen and felt. And the third is Ruach. Uh, the third uh, completes. It is not seen, but it is felt as heat, just as Holy Spirit is felt as heat. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. That's heat. And he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And we so often see, you know, if you've made a mistake or somebody points out something or maybe you're caught in a lie, you get exposed. You, you, you actually turn red. So the word convict in the original Greek means to expose the hidden things and to chastise in a moral sense. When you get caught doing something wrong, you're convicted of sin. And interestingly enough, if you are convicted and doing something wrong, your body temperature rises you get hotter. So, you know, little play on words here. I say, you know, things that make you go, hmm. Again, you see this evidence right here in nature. I just wanted to take a very quick um, time out of something that's very important that happened to me when I first got saved. It took me a long time. I fought back and forth with the Lord. Um, but at any rate, I was listening for a number of years. I would pause. I, I I uh, worked in New York City, and I, I would travel from New Jersey through the Port Authority, and occasionally I would, you know, see some different evangelists, street evangelists, but there was one that really stood out to me, and I would listen to him, uh, you know, occasionally when I would see him by the Port Authority, sometimes in and around Midtown Manhattan, and um, he, he was very instrumental to me. I would listen to him from afar. I would not engage him. I would not... Uh, that was just, you know, me at the time. It was like, okay, I'll listen, but I want to keep my distance. <clears throat> so at any rate, long story short, um, I, I eventually gave myself to the Lord, and I was coming um, into New York, and I was on a second level, and I looked down, and I see this man, and he's on the first level of the Port Authority, and it's, you know, rush hour and, and people hustling and bustling, going back and forth, back and forth. And, and I just remember how... To me, he was a special man, and I felt like the Lord was saying to me, I want you to go and tell him, you know, how he, he was instrumental in your life, and of course, I fought it and said, I don't know this guy, and, you know, I can't, but eventually, the Lord won, and I, I go down the stairs, and I walked up to the man, and I said, look, you don't know me, but I just want to tell you, you know, you've blessed me. You've, 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 you've been a big part of my life, and a big, huge smile comes up. This is a much older man, and he's tattered clothes, and you know, um, but he loves the Lord. And and, I, and I'll never forget this. And he said, son, I, I was just, you know, I was so despondent and despair because I was telling the Lord I wasn't able to bring anybody to the Lord this week. He wanted to lead somebody to, to, to accept Jesus. And we kind of embraced, we gave one of these like arm in arm type thing. And I'll never forget it. My whole entire body just lit up in heat and fire. And he, same thing to him. And he looked at me, he says, do you feel that? And I said, yeah, I feel that. And, and he said, that's the Holy Spirit. And I'll never forget it. And, you know, this this happened well over 30 years ago. Um, and I remember it like yesterday. And it was just confirmation of the power of Holy Spirit 
and you know here um I, I you know I guess the bottom line for me too, what I love about this account is the Lord knew he was feeling bad. The Lord knew he was kind of low, that he wanted to, he was trying his best to do things for the Lord. <clears throat> so really the Lord sent me to encourage him, but really and I didn't, and I thought I was just thanking him, but it lifted him up. So it's just the different ways that God works. but I wanted to concentrate there on on heat. And the power of Holy Spirit, and he often comes in fire, and, and the evidence there is in heat. And in that example, for me personally, what was something that stood out, and this was only a few months after I gave my life to the Lord, and, and I still remember it today, and it's a very important part of my testimony about the goodness of the Lord and the goodness of Jesus Christ. So let me cut to some scriptures for you. Um, these are all scriptures that indicate Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, so, uh, Matthew 3.16, Matthew 12.28, 28.19, Luke 3.22, John 14, John 15, Acts 1, Acts 2, Acts 10, Romans 1, Romans 8, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 13, Galatians 4, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2 again, Titus, Hebrews, 1 Peter and 1 John. These are all scriptures that point to the Trinity, that point to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it, it's there for a reason. If he's got that in 21 scriptures, I'm sure there's more that I missed. Take advantage of it is what I'm saying. So I want to show you some things that I just took as observations in the Old Testament and the New Testament of the number three. I think number three is very significant, obviously pointing to the Trinity. And I'm not saying that this specifically says or, or bears witness to it. I'm just pointing out these are interesting observations that I think are, are worthwhile and they're worth your consideration. Uh, so the number three is used 467 times in the Bible. It, it pictures completeness, though, to a lesser degree than seven. The meaning of this number derives from the fact that it is the first of four spiritually perfect numerals. The others are seven, ten, and twelve. So, the Bible, and I'm just Old Testament observations of the number three, is divided as the fall of man to his redemption to the return of paradise. The Bible is broken down from Adam to Abraham to Jesus. Abraham and Isaac's trip up the mountain was a three-day journey. Daniel was, uh, the, 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 the three that were in the fiery furnace was Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The tabernacle is broken down into three parts, outer court, holy place, and the holy of holies. Three ways to meet Yahweh in the Old Testament, Passover, Day of Atonement, Feast of First Fruits. Three signs of one covenant, circumcision, the rainbow, and the Sabbath. Yahweh appeared on Mount Sinai on the third day before Moses and man. Moses wanted to take the Jews out originally <clears throat> um, for a three-day journey. Moses stood between God and the Israelites. He acted as high priest and intercessor. So, picture much the way Jesus is today. There is, there is the Lord, there was Moses, and there was the Israelites. The Ark of the Covenant had three objects, Ten Commandments, Aaron's Rod, and Manna. The three patriarchs of the pre-flood were Abel, Enoch, and Noah. In the post-flood, it was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jonah was in the fish for three days. Abraham receives three angels in his house in Genesis 18. Let me go on to New Testament observations. Jesus rose on the third day. Jesus raised Lazarus on the third day. 
Saul or Paul was blinded for three days on his way to Damascus. Jesus was crucified with two others. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, past, present, and future. Jesus' ministry was three years. Paul took three missionary journeys. Jesus died on the third day of Passover and rose on the first day of the Jewish holiday of first fruits. If what Scripture says, if two or more agree, there I am in the midst. Two people plus Jesus is three. Peter denied Jesus three times. I take out of that, you deny, you deny Jesus, you deny Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Word of God divides soul and spirit. So is the word, soul, and the spirit. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The three gifts of the Magi presented at Jesus' birth, gold, frankincense, and mirror. There are 27 books in the New Testament, which is three times three times three, which is the completeness to the third power. Jesus prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane before his arrest. So again, these are things that I think I'm not saying, you know, this proves or this is the reason behind it. Um, but I just find that there, it's very interesting, and I think it's it's worth your consideration. And I think personally, some of these are, you know, post, signposts uh, uh, pointing to the to the Trinity. Next, I want to go to man, man's natural observations in the number three. Uh, marriage is between a man and a woman. So if you're getting married, you're married with God, husband, and wife. A family generally consists of family, uh, of husband, wife, and then child. Could be obviously more than that, but that's where it starts if you're having children. Life in the womb, pregnancy, it's nine months. It's divided into three trimesters. Water, which is sometimes a symbol of, uh, or a description of the Lord, is the only substance that can be divided into uh, liquid, solid, and gas. Uh, water, when we look at it, it's really the oceans, the rivers, and the lakes. Power today, and, and, and power in general, you have to have a positive, a negative, and a ground. And the atom, which is, is inside of us, you have protons, neutrons, and electrons. Let me continue. Going into man's observation of the heavens. How do we observe the heavens? Space, time, and matter. There's the three. And interestingly enough, what does space consist of? Height, width, and length. What does time consist of? past, present, and future. Matter, energy, motion, and phenomena. So, I, I again, when I, if you go back to light in the very beginning and how you can break that down, I believe as you observe some of these things, uh, you know, that are in front of us, in front of our own eyes, that we can take something from that and, and we can gleam something. So, all of that to say, I'd like to kind of segue to Holy Spirit. And, and when I said in the very beginning, I don't think that we're even remotely close to tapping into, and perhaps this could be a reminder to you. Um, it's certainly a reminder to me. It's something that, well, let me just jump right to it. Uh, I, I pointed this out in the very beginning. Acts 1-4, while being together and eating with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father promised, of which he said, you will have you have heard me speak. So he commanded them, do not leave until Holy Spirit you have that. So I wanted to just take a refresher or a reminder of all of the different tools and resources 
and maybe arrows in your quiver uh, of what you have and the potential, you have the Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, inside of you. You all have natural gifts. Um, so even when you get out of this, this supernatural, these are things that God's made you unique. He's made every man and woman unique. I've done this before, and it's really helped me a lot. If uh, And a lot of churches will do this so that they not on, only understand the, uh, the talents and the gifts of their employees, but also churches will do this uh, for their body so they can understand what are the strengths and the weaknesses of the body itself. And it's, it's called a temperament analysis. Um, a lot of counselors will use it. And also, you know, it's not strictly for um, Christians. They, you know, people will use it in the world, but it points to a lot of things biblically of how God made you and how you could be a resource within the kingdom of God, if, whether it's in your local church, but it certainly could be in your work and, and, and your home. I took a test a long time ago, um, and it was, I was going through some things, and I really wanted to get a better understanding of how God made me. So Tim LaHaye, who has since gone on to be with the Lord, he may you may still have this online. It's a temperament analysis from his ministry. I think at the time it cost $35, and it's one of these things you fill out quickly. You don't think about the answers. But boy, it was good. I mean, it just really broke down some things. And so what I'm showing you here is all of the different gifts that we have and some more than others. So the natural gifts of the Spirit is helps. People naturally want to help or they want to be of service. And that could be in a number of different ways. You could be a greeter in a church. You could be a custodian. You could be working in a parking lot. Um, or maybe uh, you're there's um, administration. Let me kind of cut to the slide so you see this if you're on, watching on video. Uh, administration is 1 Corinthians 12, 28. So perhaps you're good at organizing. Pastors and church leaders need organization, trust me. Uh, service, you know, some people just like to serve others, whether maybe you want to go and, and, and serve in, in a hospital or serve in... Um, uh, you know, people uh, as a follow-up in, in churches, giving. Some people have an, an incredible desire to give and to bless others. And it doesn't necessarily always mean in, in money. Money certainly a tool, to, you know, to do that. But you could be giving in your time. You could be giving in your advice. You could be giving in counsel. Uh, you could be a mentor. Um, leadership, we all, you know, there, there's there's different leaders. And I, I happen to have a leadership uh, a quality about me. I don't say it, you know, with any any type of bravado at all. It's just I had to. Re and matter of fact, it took me a long time to to come to terms with it or to embrace it. And then there's mercy, there's hospitality, and there's encouragement. And I give you all of the different scriptures that bear this out. Now, on top of it, <clears throat> there's the fivefold ministry of the church. I want to take a moment to do to stop on this. I really believe the church in general misses it here. And, and I know, you know, there's debate out there about the apostle, the office of the apostle. Well, they really meant, you know, when Jesus day. And there are plenty of apostles in scriptures that was after Jesus had gone on uh, and well after the resurrection. I'm talking years later and, and their apostles. So I pointed out the scripture that says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
So when he gives you the office or the gifts of, of, of the fivefold ministry, and this is in Ephesians, Ephesians 4.11, and the purpose behind it, it says, is for you to become mature, for the church body. It is maturity in Christ. And so they, these gifts and these offices of the church have been deposited around the areas to build you up, to strengthen you, to edify you, the church collectively as a whole. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I would say off the top, pastors and teachers, you, you could see them in most churches today. And I don't think anybody would argue with the need for evangelists, and we're all called to be evangelists. We all have that capability. Uh, I'll probably touch on this a bit before I, I end this, but just think about you know, your testimony, the, the testimony that you have in sharing Jesus with others. You have that evangelistic um, uh, aspect in you. And on the fivefold ministry, and I can show you examples throughout where you're not always engaged in that one office. There are some who could be engaged in the office of the evangelist and could be at times in, 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 the, in, the, uh, in the gift of prophecy or uh, the gift of, of, of um, uh, the apostle, I'll say. So I just wanted to highlight apostles and prophets because I do not see a lot of that at all in the church today. And, and I believe you're missing it. And I know some people would say, you know, especially with apostles, they're there. They're out there. I'm not going to go through all of it now, and there's plenty of examples there. Um, I happen to have been raised in a church initially um, uh, where, where uh, the, the, the pastor was an apostle, and I saw firsthand how he oversaw uh, different ministries and helped different pastors from around the world. Uh, I've often, you know, he ran something that's called the Pastors and Ministers Conference, excuse me, where ministers were ministering to each other. And, and, you know, I think no surprise, ministers go through some very unique pressures, some unique circumstances that the lay people don't necessarily understand, but obviously your peers can understand. It's much like, you know, if you're engaged in a job and, and you have a certain uh, task, if you know somebody else, maybe working for another company, they can understand or relate, you know, to you. And it, it's much that same way. Um, but when you see pastors ministering to each other, and, and I've seen this, and, and, and I've seen Holy Spirit get in it, and, and it's just incredibly powerful. Um, so I believe this is where the church is missing it, that the fivefold ministry um, is very, very important. And, um, you know, I'm, I, again, I'm not going to do it, break it down. I've done this before with apostles and prophets because I do think these are two areas where the church is missing it. Not all churches, um, but a lot, I, I would say the vast majority. And this is my opinion, uh, and, and I believe I go back to Scripture. I don't think that Jesus put certain gifts and said, okay, this is just, you know, for right around the time of, of the apostles that we know. Um, so let me go back to this slide because I'm going to start to get on a soapbox and I can, shouldn't go there. Fruit of the Spirit. I, I really think that we need to be aware of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you may think that some of those could be synonyms with one another, 
they all have very, very distinct meanings. They all bring different attributes. They all bring a different flavor of Holy Spirit with you. And you have those abilities that, that have been placed inside of you that you can be an effective servant of God, an effective tool, effective person uh, in your church and in, in, in your workforce, in your social lives. So, you know, what I'm trying to point out here is the, the nine gifts, of, nine natural gifts of spirit, the, the fruit of Holy Spirit, the fivefold ministry of Holy Spirit. God's poured all of this out to you and to me and to the church. And why we're not tapping into it or realizing it, I think, sometimes is we're not grow we've not been raised in that kind of environment and sometimes i think it's just lethargy it's just you know you, you, I, I, I better not go there <laughs> yeah yeah i think i think we get lazy i think we get lazy so now i'm going to go to supernatural gifts of holy spirit which kind of ties to the trinity first corinthians 12 8 through 10 to one there is given, though, the spirit of <clears throat> a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and <clears throat> to still another interpretation of tongues. So you have the nine gifts of Holy Spirit. These are supernatural gifts. These are gifts that pass man's understanding. And I, I look at this and I can see pretty clearly that you can divide these nine gifts into three and one, three and one, three and one. What do I mean by that? Um, Father is revealed to Simon in Matthew 16, 16 7 through 17, uh, the gifts of wisdom, knowledge, and spiritual discernment. So you know, I, I would say clearly those are gifts that are inspired by the, by the Father. Um, they, 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 they come with the, the guidance and the tutelage of Holy Spirit, but I would say the origination of it is, or a characteristic is, is the Father. Faith, healing, and miracles. Throughout the New Testament, throughout Jesus' ministry, we see this. He operated in all of these gifts. And then tongues, prophecy, and the interpretation of tongues. Um, that's Holy Spirit and began with tongues at Pentecost. And I know that some people uh, would, would have that challenge of the gifts of tongues. And it doesn't mean that you have or you don't have Holy Spirit. It's not a mandatory requirement, so to speak. Um, but it's, it, it's there. And um, unfortunately... You know, I've, I've seen well-intentioned churches who stay on the Word of God, who made attempts to teach on tongues, and boy, they want to dance around it because they, they don't want to intimidate people. They don't want to offend people. You know, if you say something like, ooh, tongues, ooh, that's, you know, it's in the Word. It's in the Bible. It's, it, we have the evidence of it. It's, it's a gift that's been given to you. And I will say flat out, you know, I speak in tongues. And I didn't have any choice. When I first came to the Lord that day, they said to me, would you like to receive Holy Spirit? I had no idea what it means. I heard, I, knew, I was raised Catholic, so I knew about Holy Spirit. 
and it was a gentleman. He put his hand on my head, and instantly, within seconds, I, I, I got this overwhelming power surge that I would always equate to when somebody asked me. It was a picture of a, a guy on a construction site on a street trying to drill through a, chur, uh, uh, a road, and he's got that jackhammer. I felt this kind of surge go through my body, and I started speaking in tongues. I had no idea what was going on. My head was freaking out, like, what? but I couldn't stop the words coming out. But I came to understand what that was. Everybody's different. Doesn't mean you get it that way, you don't get it that way. Everybody is different. I understand that. But that's what happened to me, and I'm just saying that's something not to be afraid of. I've been in church services where corporately the church, somebody in the church, would have a, a, a prompting from Holy Spirit to speak in tongues, and then somebody else would come and give that interpretation. And I realize that's strange for some people. You may not, you know, that may not be the operation of your church. And I, and and that's where I say, you know, I think where a lot of the churches are missing it. It's not, you know, they people want to kind of classify it as something freaky or something like that. You look. I, I, and I say this all the time, there is nobody who was more outlandish in counterculture than Jesus Christ. He did not do things the way you would think the world does. So, uh, you know, when, when you see these things, don't be surprised. And, and, and again, if you don't speak in tongues, it's, it's, it's okay. But these are the, thing, the tools and the resources that are outlined in Scripture that are available to you. So I went through the natural gifts, the fruit of the Spirit, the fivefold ministry, the natural gifts of Holy Spirit. And, and I just wanted to close with this, this one slide, if you wouldn't mind. And it's the picture of the three crosses. And we all know that one died because of sin. That's Jesus. The other died with the redemption of sin, and the other died to cleanse all from sin. Uh, so, you know, you had Jesus and you had one who accepted him and one who didn't. And we are instructed to make disciples. So therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's the commission that God gave us. He told us to baptize them, go and make disciples. That's what you and I are called to do. Um, and, and, you know, within the confines of our church, and that's where small groups are so important, whether it's a home Bible study or something on Zoom, online, or, or going there in somebody's home. Uh, that's how, you know, I, I started. This actually came out of breaking bread at, at the table with uh, uh, other fellow believers, and because of COVID, we got sidetracked. So here we are a couple of years later taking advantage of, of doors that, that the Lord opened. And I believe because, uh, you know, we have this desire to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So again, I, you know, we're called to make disciples. And I look to the parable of the sower in Luke 8, 4 through 14. There's number one, actually, let me go back to the slide for you. Uh, the sower is the person. He sows the seed. The seed is the word of God. Where do you sow it? You sow, if you're a farmer, you sow the seed into the ground or you sow the word into another person in hopes of producing a harvest. That's what the farmer wants. He puts seed into the ground and he's expecting a harvest and your harvest can come uh, when you could sow into one person's life and then you don't know where that will go with that other person. And then, you know, you have this potential, I'll say, of... Uh, 
of multiplication of exponential multiplication. So as you plant one seed, produce one piece of fruit that has hundreds of seeds, so it is that you can plant one seed into one person that can produce a large harvest of souls. So um, I, I, I hope that I, I was clear in the, in the abundance of resources that we have and the evidence that we have of Holy Spirit and the power of Holy Spirit. And also, I, I should say this, Holy Spirit's inside of you to comfort you too. So if you're, you know, in a situation where you're not doing well, you're, you're finding things are going hard, it's not moving along, maybe you're out of work, maybe, you know, there's some medical things that are going on, Holy Spirit is there to comfort and to guide you and to instruct you and to pray with you. So my advice is to engage with Holy Spirit, recognize Him as a distinct person of the Trinity, that he is there with you at all times. And as Jesus said, he will never leave you nor forsake you. It is the same because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever inside of you. So on that note, I'd like to thank you for your time. And, you know, as always, questions, comments, shoot me an email at russicoutlook at gmail.com. Prayer requests, happy to take them. Same thing. Uh, Please email me, comment, any questions and um you know if you if you've given yourself to the lord and you you've recognized that i am a sinner um I, i'd love to hear about it or you know if you're looking for a church i'll certainly do my best in whatever area you're in to see if i can find a good bible believing church so on that note i'd like to thank you again for listening my name is mark russick you've been listening to the russick outlook and remember as always just my opinion